Welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. I'm your host Deepak Sharma and on this podcast I chat with leaders from all walks of life to discuss their journey, the lessons they've learned and advice they have so we can all level up our health, wealth and happiness. You see I'm obsessed with the idea that we should be striving to realize our potential with the one life that we have. Let's not overcomplicate it cuz it's not that deep. This week's guest is DJ Dramos, aka Dramos, producer of one of the most popular radio shows on the planet, The Breakfast Club, with Charlemagne the God, DJ NV, and Angela Yee. Dramos is also a radio personality in New Jersey, Connecticut, and New York. He's a club DJ, a music producer, podcast host, and the owner of a vintage clothing line. In this episode we talk about his journey to becoming the producer of one of the most successful radio shows on the planet. We get into his work ethic, what drives him and what keeps him grounded. We also talk about the music industry, the racial injustice that's taken place in the USA and worldwide and so much more. I invite you to join me on this journey of leveling up by heading over to my website itsnotthatdeeppodcast.com and signing up for Deepak's Deep Dive newsletter where I'll be sharing with you some of the lessons I've learned from guests throughout my journey to success. This podcast is produced by Deep Digital Media. Our mission is to create captivating content. Drop us a line today at connect@deepdigitalmedia.ca for help building, managing and promoting your own podcast, video series, online course and so much more. Enjoy today's episode and just remember, it's not that deep. Dramos, welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast, brother. Thanks to have you on here. Thank you, man. I appreciate you asking me on here. It's it's awesome to have you here man. Um you know for those who don't know you're a producer on one of the most popular radio television uh, radio shows uh you know in the world the Breakfast Club uh with Char- Charlemagne uh, DJ NV Angela Yi um and, and it doesn't stop there man you're a radio personality in if if I, correct me if I'm wrong but in New Jersey, mm-hmm. Connecticut, New York uh including uh, Z100 uh mm-hmm. you're you're a club DJ a music mm-hmm. producer, a podcast host, man, you keep busy. You keep Yeah, busy. I kind of bounce around a little bit. <laughs> so that I mean that's something that speaks to kind of the times and 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 the kind of times that we live in like you almost got to be multifaceted. You almost got to have a bunch of different things going on that are keeping you busy and keeping you active, man. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, for for the people who don't know you, um they definitely have seen you before you're that you're the dude on the breakfast club with the big <laughs> yeah. ass beard who doesn't say a word <laughs> right right but you're managing <laughs> exactly <laughs> you're the guy though who's making sure that everything's going right everything's smooth uh, and talk to us a little bit about what your actual role is because i know that you're not just sitting there looking right. for <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean um so i'm one of the producers and then also the national board operator so um breakfast club is not only in new york we record it in new york but it's also syndicated across the united states um and also in toronto now so uh about 90 markets uh total for the breakfast club so i control everything from the mics to the music to the sound effects to everything that's happening all the segments and basically i'm controlling every single station all 90 stations at one time basically so if i mess up it messes up the entire country and now <laughs> toronto as well Man, that's a, that's a lot of pressure to have on you, but you yeah. keep a stone cold face the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you are laser focused, man. I love that. I love seeing it. Um, yeah, you gotta be. And but but it has to be a very unique, um, you know, position for you to be in because not many people, you know, let alone can make a career in in the radio space and, and music and everything that you're doing. But you know, you've kind of figured out how to be on one of the one of the best and one of the the most prominent ones. Uh, mm-hmm. t- talk to us about like that journey a little bit, man, because you know you didn't just wake up one day on the Breakfast Club, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy because. I can remember in like 2011 listening to the breakfast club from my car on the way to work every day, you know? So it's definitely like a a wild ride. I mean, yeah, I've been pursuing a career in the music industry for over 10 years. You know, Um, I played in bands and, you know, we would tour around the country. Um, Once that ended, I I picked up DJing and through that, I just started exploring different things and meeting different people. Um, That sort of started leading into me meeting radio people and those relationships over a couple of years kind of blossomed into some opportunities and a couple of years, a couple years later, you know, that would lead into another opportunity. And eventually I think it was probably year, maybe three of working at iHeartRadio that I got the opportunity to work at the breakfast club. So 
it's kind of just been like a really steady, like a very slow but steady uh, kind of uphill climb to even get in that seat. So that that consistency, that that constant, you know, you know, drive to just be kind of doing more and show up day after day, and like these are early shows, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What are what are um you know what are some of the things you do to keep your like schedule grounded when you've got all these different things going on and keeping you so busy? Um, I mean, I I think it's trying to stay consistent with doing things for yourself as well. You know, I mean, obviously it's hard to stay on a consistent schedule when you're doing a million and one different things. But even for me trying to just stick to a morning routine, you know, I, I do my, I have to be at the radio station at five. So I do my best to um, 5am. I do my best to get up at 3am. Um, and really there's no real reason. Like I have to, I, I live 10 minutes from the radio station, you know? Um, but I try and wake up at 3am so I can, you know, get my meditation in, um, you know, drink coffee, listen to like a, a positive podcast or like an audio book um and, and just kind of like you know mess around with some things maybe i've had ideas for you know whatever it may be but just so i can kind of set the tone for my day i'll, I'll maybe write out my to-do list or something like that and i know that on the days that i am able to stick to that routine it makes the rest of my day kind of go smoother it puts me in a, in a good headspace you know so i try to stick to that as much as possible bro that is so powerful what you just said right there because you know we often we always like to you know talk about people's morning routines and stuff like that right. but let's let's be honest man for the most part a lot of people if they got something to do at 7 a.m they're gonna mm -hmm. be up at 6 30. they're gonna right. be up as as late as they possibly can to squeeze that last ounce of sleep you know that last five minutes yeah. in bed when you're up but you're not really up right. most people operate you know living like that so that you know they can kind of maximize their day but one of the biggest things that i've learned on my journey is is really respecting that morning routine really like that mm -hmm. so that's what sets the tone for your day so waking yeah. up a couple hours before you even have to wake up that has been right. one of my like like big unlocks and you mm -hmm. talk about meditation first thing in the morning man i want to kind of talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit because yeah. that's another thing that has been pivotal in in my growth uh talk to me about that journey when did you decide that you know what i need to i need to be off before i can be on um i mean i think i've gone back and forth with it for probably the last maybe four years or something like that um i didn't really start taking it seriously uh, probably until the last i don't know year and a half two years maybe um and i think for me at first it was to try to ease some anxiety you know what i mean um to ease ease any of those things. And then also just to tap into myself a little bit. I think when you're chasing something, when you're moving at such a fast rate all the time and, and have big goals and big dreams, a lot of times things can get cloudy in your brain, you know? Um, and I, I started realizing that meditation allowed me to slow down a little bit, allowed me to sort of just center myself and, and really see what was on my mind and what I wanted. Um, and, you know, and then I just started realizing how great it was for starting my day, you know, how it put me in a good relaxed place to start my day. Um, and then I even started going uh, locally here. I live in Jersey City, New Jersey. There's a like a yoga studio that does meditation classes once a week. Um, so prior to this whole COVID thing, I would go there um, and, and just kind of like, you know, get a little bit of a lesson on just like, you know, the whole culture of, of meditation as well. And then, you know, participating in a group thing. And that was almost like to a degree church for me as well. You know, I would leave there feeling lighter, you know. And so I've recognized the, the positive effects of, of meditation and just, you know, where it puts you in, in a great mental space. That, that's it right there, man. Just finding it kind of like the best way that it works for you. And I get mm -hmm. you with the on and off thing, man. I'm not, I'm not as consistent as I want to be with it. I miss yeah. it some days on the weekend. You know, you, you, you yeah. fuck off sometimes. You're like, oh, yeah. man, you, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll start again on Monday. But like, right. it's all, it's always a grounding exercise. And I think it's powerful. I I still feel like I haven't even really figured it out. I feel like I'm just, mm -hmm. I mean, I use an app like, yeah. and, and for me, that's something that, you know, it helps me kind of get better at it. And then it kind of mm -hmm. leaks into the mindfulness throughout the day. But you yeah. know, you, you talk about waking up at 3am bro. Like how do you maintain a career being a DJ and, and, mm -hmm. and doing these kinds of, you know, probably yeah. things, things that take you later into the night and yeah. wake up at 3am. How do you deal with that? Um, I mean, I guess it starts with loving what you do, right? Uh, I think when you when you love it, you can kind of look past some of the things that suck about it as far as waking up early or things like that. Um, but I'm not going to lie, it's tough. Uh, you know, I go through moments of burnout, um, you know, and, and different patterns like that. I'm only human. Um, 
but I, I think, you know, you just kind of push yourself. It's a mentality. You know what I mean? It's kind of knowing when you're tired, you got to hit that extra gear, you know? Um, and then, and then when you have the opportunity, knowing when to slow down and stop, you know, and, and knowing, you know, I'm not going to bed late at night, every night and getting a couple hours of sleep, you know, when I can, I try and go to bed super early, you know? Um, so it's just taking advantage of those things when you can. So what's that like at 8 PM, like on a, if, if you can, uh, yeah, if I wish, man, I'd probably say like 9 PM would be the earliest I've been able to get to bed. Um, you know, on, on those perfect days, but yeah, I mean, just as much as you can, you know what I mean? Try to where you can fit it in. Cause it is important. You know, I don't, I don't subscribe to like the I'll sleep when I'm dead mentality. You know, I think that won't, doesn't lead to a healthy mind. It doesn't lead to productive work. You know, obviously there are times where you have to hit it hard and you can't get that extra sleep, but when you have the opportunity to do so, I, I have no problem taking a long nap in the middle of the day if I can, or going to bed super early to kind of catch up on rest. Man, I battle with this myself so much because, yeah. you know, as somebody who is trying to do a lot of things myself, you know, mm-hmm. like I work a nine to five, I'm trying to grow a business and the podcast and right. courses and learning and trying to do all these different things, you know, on top of life, just normal yeah. life responsibilities. Like, you know, you still got to do the dishes, your laundry and all the, right. all, the all the bullshit. Right. Yeah. It, it can, it can, you know, sleep is probably one of the easier things to just be like, yeah, man, I'm just not going to get enough of this like today because I got something else I got to do. But that's, I I completely agree that we should not be glorifying like a three hour a night sleep schedule because all these studies show how, how important it is to, to, to operate at our peak. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's, I think it's, it's really important that you said that because you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And that's the, that's almost the same mentality of some of these people who are working like, you know, 90 hour weeks and, and, and are boasting mm-hmm. about it. And, you know, we're yeah. learning now that, you know, if you could do 60 and be a lot more productive, you know, yeah. why would you not opt for that and actually live a bit of your life? No, I think even this whole coronavirus experience is exposing a lot of that stuff that a lot of jobs are realizing that they don't even need to be in the office as many hours as they are to get work done, you know, um, or, you know, that I think we also tend to procrastinate a lot. You know what I mean? Like if we were re- really honest about it, like if we were to hit things really hard, it wouldn't take us as long to do so. We can get more sleep, get more rest, get more life in, you know? Um, I, I really think that's what it is. That's why I would say was saying, you know, setting intention in the morning is so important because at least I have a game plan, you know what I mean? And I can easily knock those things out and then I'm, I'm realistic. You know, I know, okay, this stuff needs to get done today and this doesn't necessarily need to get done today and get done tomorrow. You know what I mean? And with that, you kind of allow yourself to have a little bit of leeways where you can try living as healthy of a life, a life as possible. Yeah. And it comes down to avoiding that burnout and having, you know, a, a to-do list is one thing, but a to-do list that kind of you know has that the priorities built in and like, you know, what's, what's important versus what's urgent. These are, these are things that it's an exercise I do every morning as well, because it's like, you can, you can honestly take up a whole entire day doing things that make you feel like you're getting a lot of stuff done. Right. It's all busy work. It's like yeah. administrative stuff or like, I got to do this. I got to do that. Like all these different things, but it's not mm-hmm. actually productive. There's a big difference between right. being busy and being productive. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that I, I, I feel like it's, it's not talked about enough. Like, you know, you could be at, a, at an office job, you know, working eight hours a day or nine hours mm-hmm. a day, whatever, how, right. how are you really like even working half of that? Like, like actual no. work? Not at mm-hmm. all. You're at the water cooler. You, you know, you're talking, mm-hmm. you, you're at someone's, it, it applies yeah. to everything. So, you know, I, I definitely do think that, you know, as we move towards, you know, more remote work, Mm. more more flexible work kind of options i think the world's changing man i think we're watching it like you know force forcefully be changed right now in front of our eyes mm-hmm. and uh this this pandemic has exposed a lot of that now i don't know how much you know it, is going to stick around as soon as it's done or, or cleared up like i don't right. know uh, you're seeing a lot of companies especially in the tech space announcing mm-hmm. now that hey we're going fully remote uh, mm-hmm. you know, which is an interesting change, but uh, that people are celebrating a lot, but you know, you don't realize that now you're competing with, you know, a billion other people for the same job. So right. yeah. th- there's always two sides to every story. So I think it's no, really absolutely. Interesting where, where we're heading, man. How have you been keeping up during this whole pandemic? Uh, 
I mean, it's been it's been interesting. It's definitely you know obviously I'm not DJing right now, so that's been interesting to have my weekends now to myself. Um, I still I I was working remotely for a few weeks, and then now I've just started going back into the radio station. Um, the Charlemagne and Envy and all of them are still working from home. They're they're broadcasting from their house. I'm running the boards from the actual studio. Um, so I mean, I I think the I've gotten to have the best of both worlds to a degree. You know, I, I'm still having that routine of getting up and going at, going to the studio which is nice you know um and then i'm still now at home i have a little bit more time to to work on other projects i've been wanting to pursue and just kind of you know have more creative ideas i mean I, to be honest i feel like i'm busier now than i was prior to the whole quarantine you know so it's just it is kind of crazy yeah man i, I could not relate more to that like uh, yeah it's been a time right now where some people have gotten to slow down and kind of like realize what, what some of the things that are important to them. And I've had a bit of that, but I've just mm-hmm. been every day has just been melting into the next. There's just mm-hmm. so much going on and so many things that, you yeah. know, it, it's, it's been a transformational time in, in terms of, you know, I, I feel this almost like people talk about FOMO a lot. I feel like, mm-hmm. like almost reverse FOMO. Like right now, if mm-hmm. I'm not putting in this work right now, Mm-hmm. at a time when everyone's home and 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 now's the time to be building and laying down yeah. like foundations bro like you're not going to be given an opportunity like this again and, right. I, and i hate to kind of minimize you know the impact of the virus i mean it's definitely has an impact on a lot of people's lives and i don't, I don't want to be completely insensitive about that but you know if you are able to you know kind of pull yourself up and and even if it's reading a book even mm-hmm. if it's taking that course you always wanted to take even if it's like mm-hmm. you know the, like you said creative projects things that you've oh i've always wanted to start a podcast i've always wanted yeah. to do this i've always wanted start your book start this yeah. start it now now's the best time to do it man yeah now I, I think you have people's attention more now you know what i mean everybody's kind of slowed down and yeah i mean i'm not i don't want to make light of the terrible situation that it is that brought us all here. But um, at the same time, there are parts of it that are a blessing. You know, if you are able to stay healthy and your family's healthy, there are parts of it that are a blessing that, you know, you have the time to experiment. And now is the time to experiment because the world is going crazy. So you failing right now, you know, is not as big of a deal because we're seeing the world fail at a grand level. You know what I mean? So your failure is so minute in the scale, but also now is the time to experiment. You have people's attention. You have the ability to see, you know, what is uh, getting a reaction, what's not, what are people, you know, really resonating with, what aren't they? And, you know, that's what I, I've tried to do with this. You know, I think the way I've looked at it, and I've just kind of made a competition for my own self and my own head is there are going to be winners and losers at the end of this whole quarantine thing. And I want to be one of the people who's on the winning side of it all, you know. That, that's a great way to look at it, man. And, you know, I can see you, you even doing some things that maybe you might not have done as much of in the past, which is, you know, qu- quarantine in the afternoon. You're doing this, mm-hmm. you know, IG, uh, IG live thing all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know how often, like four or five days a week at least, right? Yeah, every weekday. Yeah, so, like, I, I'm seeing that every day. And, like, I always want to join in, but I'm always, like, on a call or something. And, and yeah. but, but when I do, I always see open, honest discussions, you answering questions that people have for you. And mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it's, like, it's really important to explore those kinds of things, you know. Do, mm-hmm. do those kinds of things that are going to connect you with your fans. Do this kind of thing. Have this open dialogue. Like, you don't know me. Like, I'm just a random dude from, from Ottawa. But, you know, I fuck with you. I fuck with everything that, you know, you are trying to build and do mm. and so i'm like man i gotta i gotta sit down and chat with you bro so yeah i, yeah, I mean it, we have each other's attention right now you know what i mean and that's the beauty of it and even people i've been tapping the interview and stuff like that they might not have had the time to slow down and hop on ig live with me you know um and that's the beauty of it all and i think even with doing this every day i've always had an interest in wanting to do something like this uh it also has allowed me to find my voice you know what i mean like i'm able to speak freely and i'm actually seeing that's resonating with people so now it's encouraged me to continue on okay now how do i expand this beyond this because i think i've actually really found like where i fit into this you know this whole media industry in the grand scheme of it all that's that's i'm really happy that you figured that out man finding a voice is something that the my podcast has allowed me to do and Mm -hmm. you know i know you've had some podcasts in the past i don't know if you still run uh, you've had two different podcasts right yeah uh beats and booze which is uh more like interview style with artists and then i did another one called dream dealers uh which was actually via ig live like a year ago so it's funny that it all kind of 
meld into this. And then now I do one that had just started probably, man, um, a month, maybe when this whole Corona thing just hit, I had just started another podcast called First Generation Talks. First Generation Talks, man. That's hype. Yeah. Uh, and where, yeah. can, where can people like fi- find out about that a little bit more? That one's um, available everywhere you find podcasts. And it's uh, on IG, if it's at First Generation Talks. Um, there's a link in my bio, but that one, uh, that's the one we I've been doing still every week now, even during the quarantine. It's uh, with my guy, Radimus, who's a hip hop artist out of New York. That's awesome, man. Like, yeah. what are some of the, some of the parallels you find between podcasting and radio? Because to me, I feel like they're, they're distant cousins, but they're mm-hmm. still like, they still kick it every now and then, you know, any, yeah, a, yeah. A, a, any radio, uh, like, like spot or, or thing that I've been on, I feel hella awkward because you don't get that level of freedom and it's right. like okay deepak tell us what you you know blah 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 you have 30 yeah. seconds to tell us your life story and then we're gonna cut right. to commercial talk to yeah. me about like you know what you think about the, the kind of the differences and parallels between radio and podcasts i mean i love podcasts i think it, it's definitely different like you said i think radio is a more controlled environment obviously um, especially, I mean, if you're doing like morning radio, like the breakfast club, you have a little bit more time to let loose to, to talk about things in a little bit more of a long form. Um, but even still podcasting obviously is just open, no rules whatsoever. Um, so I think there, there is that there, there's, you know, the freedom to talk about whatever you want to talk about. I think with podcasting, you can really dive into more of a niche, dive more into your interests. Um, whereas radio, you want to try to keep it a little bit more broad, you know? Um, but they still, like you said, I, that's a perfect way to say it. There are distant cousins, you know? Um, and I think for people who are in radio, if they truly kind of have a voice outside of just talking about entertainment and the music for them, podcast is amazing because it's almost like they get to just let loose, you know, and run free. And for me, that's what it's been. A thousand percent, man. And then you, you kind of control your narrative a bit more, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like you talk about yeah. fi- finding your voice. There's no better way than to just honestly just have these open conversations. Like I don't, right. I don't plan what I'm going to say to you when I, when I sit mm-hmm. down, I have a few bullet points, but it's mm-hmm. not like I'm sitting here. Like I got a script to follow and you know, I can't deviate from it. And that's not to shit on radio. Look, man, if there's any, if there's any show that's done a great job of tiptoeing that line, it's the breakfast club, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Just absolutely push the boundary of what yeah. can and can't be kind of said and, and right. you say things almost without saying them. And so that's, yeah. that, that's a very, you know that that's even something that a lot of I find radio stations and 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 radio shows yeah. don't 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 even try because there's such right. strict regulations of what can be broadcast. And yeah, I mean the, the Breakfast Club is almost even an anomaly in itself in radio. You know what I mean? Um, if you're comparing, it's, that's why it is the way it is. Is because you know why it has the fame and attention it does is because they do fight against the rules and tiptoe the line, like you said, you know, um, and push it as far as you possibly could. You know, as far as regulations go, you know. Um, and most radio stations won't give you that freedom to have a personality. You know, the problem with most radio stations is it's brand first, personality second. You know what I mean? So you, everything you do and say has to sort of fit within this whole brand. And the Breakfast Club has managed to kind of like fight against that a little bit. Well, and also like almost transcend, you know, radio because mm-hmm. you've, it's, it's internationally watched on YouTube. You know, some mm-hmm. of the clips are chopped up and, and are all over Instagram, all over all kinds of mm-hmm. different different social media cha- channels. You know, the individual mm-hmm. hosts all have their own personalities and their own mm-hmm. things going on. I, I believe Charlemagne has his own podcast. and, and um, Yeah, Brain Idiots. Exactly. So, like, mm-hmm. everyone... And he's an interesting character, man. So, you know, mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about you know what what it's what it's been like for you kind of being in this space being being around all these different cool people that they bring in for these interviews and staying humble throughout it all um i mean i I think it's just eye-opening it's inspiring to be around it every day to hear you know what they have going on to see the way their mind thinks firsthand um all of that stuff you know it's it's just like imagine you know whoever the most inspiring person you ever interviewed you get to be around them every single day now you know what i'm saying and like shadow them it's crazy you know um and you're able to pick their brain and and you're able to like shoot them a text like hey you know what do you think about this that's like the biggest thing you know um and then obviously you know being around some of the you know uh you know people that come in the a-list you know celebrities or just people of influence that come in um 
I think it, it's cool to kind of see the human aspect of a lot of those people, you know, um, and for the good and bad. Some of it's good and some of it's bad, but, you know, um, it, it's just, you know, it's just very inspirational. And then especially if you're sitting across from somebody you grew up watching, it's just kind of like, damn, like, I got here, you know what I mean? And, and it kind of shows you can keep pushing on with whatever you're you know, dreaming to do. Well, well, no matter what, like, you know, people have accomplished their celebrity, A-list, all these, all these different things, right? You know, at the end of the day, they are just human beings. And, Absolutely. you know, I, I'm, I can't speak for you, but, you know, from my experience in podcasting and having, like, people on who, you know, nowhere near breakfast club level, um, you, you, know, you know, guests, but from, from people just having these chats with them, and re- like before I might've even put this person on a pedestal, like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. you know, this person's done so many things, built multi-million business, you mm-hmm. know, killing it, this and that, like all these magazines. Then you talk to them and they're just, it's just a human being, man. They got yeah. their own set of problems. They all mm-hmm. fundamentally want kind of the same things. Yeah. You know, health, wealth, happiness, lack of suffering, you know, like what, like we all, like when you boil it down, we all kind of want some of the same similar things. Right. So yeah. I think that's, that's, that's a really interesting perspective that like, you know, you placing yourself and being able to, you know, be across the table from these people must, it's fucking cool. Like no one's going to take that away from you. It's yeah, fucking cool. But then you go <laughs> home and it's like, damn, bro, I met, I met like, I met Drake today. I met Soulja Boy. Yeah. I met J Lo. I met like you know, like yeah, all these, yeah. all, all these, all these different people, man. It's like, what? Which? What are some interviews that have stood out for you? Like, um, I mean, Fifty Cent. Whenever he comes through, uh, because you can just see like the way his mind works. Like he makes eye contact with everybody in the room, even if you're not the person interviewing him. He'll make eye contact with the intern in the corner. So he's making sure everybody is a part of the conversation as he's talking. So like that, I've taken that away where it's like, if I'm in a room, make sure everybody is engaged. You know what I mean? If I'm the one speaking, um, you know, even if they're not the one that is like asking the questions or answering yeah. questions, whatever the case may be. Um, and so then now it's like, you have to pay attention to what he's saying. He's making sure you're all engaged and you're a part of the conversation. Um, and then, I mean, Everybody's human except for Will Smith, I think, to be honest with you. Like, Will Smith, uh, he is, he, like, when you think of a celebrity where you're like, man, they just like, you feel it when they walk in the room, that, that he's that, you know what I mean? Um, but he does it in a way of like being just a real person. Like he, uh, Martin Lawrence was a little bit late, so Will got there first and Will wanted to wait for Martin Lawrence to come in. So Will's waiting in like our, our kind of lobby area. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of people coming in there because they want to see, get a glimpse of Will Smith. Um, and he's literally just in there, like having conversations, laughing, joking with people and like just entertaining the room. You know what I mean? Like he literally lit up the room. You hear that about some people where it's like when they walk a room, you just feel like they light up room. Like he genuinely was like that, but it was because he was just interacting with people as if he wasn't Will Smith. He was laughing, mm-hmm. engaged, you know? And so to me, I take that away. Like, man, like that's how you, you know, you make people feel a part of what's going on. You know, you're, you're not too big to allow them to be a part of the conversation. That's how you really affect people and impact people. Right, because we've always uh, we we've all experienced the flip side of that, and and you meet somebody who you know you you regard highly, and and you know you might have some kind of interaction with them, and they're just total asshole, and you're just like, Absolutely. man, like what the hell? How like this person has everything, this person right. has it all, everything on mm-hmm. paper. How could you be a dick? And yeah. so. Will Smith, his ability to, you know, and I haven't met him, so I can't really speak as if I have, but every interview I've watched, every single, like, like thing that Will Smith has put out, he mm-hmm. exudes that energy. It's like, yeah. it, it very much is energy, and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's bringing everybody up with you. I, I, like, I like how you said that, man. Like, you know, no matter who, you're never too big. Like, you, you're going to mm-hmm. talk to the the intern the same way you're going to talk to right. you know the host of the show or anything man that yeah that's how it should be that is how it should be man but i think you know egos and and our heads get so big you know mm-hmm. when when we accept that I, and, yeah. and i think anybody can become victim to that but you know it's it's a conscious decision to be like that he has to because it, it could be so easy for him to get caught imagine being will smith and trying to go yeah. anywhere like mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the cameras, the oh, yeah. media, everything. Like people just trying to, you know. Uh, and I, I've heard, uh, I've heard 
a lot of stories about Jordan, uh, Michael Jordan being like the flip side of that. Like he'll, right, yeah, he'll, that he'll stiff arm you in the face, man. Like, yeah. I'll go for it. Like, shout right. at you. Like, I've, like, I've heard those kinds of stories. And then, yeah. you know, I don't know if you've seen that, uh, that documentary. That, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I watched The Last Dance and man, I get it. Like this dude yeah. is just operating on a whole different level of of, of competition. Like right. everything's a competition. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, but you even saw that like he cried when he was talking about when people were talking about how they felt about him. You know what I mean? Where he cried, what feeling like people didn't actually like him. You know? Um, and it's an interesting kind of thing because you know he chose to be this ultimate ice cold, you know, sort of person. Uh, and and obviously he was very successful with it, but with the flip side is you he he still hurt that he never had that human interaction. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't want to think of himself as being hated or, or anything like that. You know, so it's it's definitely an interesting kind of dichotomy when it comes to all that stuff. Uh, exactly, man. I wouldn't want to be him, and that's probably yeah. one of one of the biggest takeaways from the doc for me is like he put so much uh, on the line above everybody else, even you know the players on his team who were world class in their own respect. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. had to bring them up to right. his level and that's taxing work man so mm-hmm. you know as, that's like i blew my mind watching that documentary because I, I knew a lot of those things but i never like got to see footage i never got to yeah. actually like 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 understand it you know i like kind of switching gears a little bit man because i know we mm-hmm. could just like sit and talk shit here for hours about yeah, all yeah. topics but you know switching gears a little bit man um you know you uh, like in addition to all all the other things uh, you do you're you're super into like vintage clothing and yeah Talk to me about like where that passion came about and, and when you started exploring that. Um, I mean, I think I've always been into it. My mom was super big into like antiquing when I was a kid. So like I was always at secondhand shops and she was like repurposing furniture in our house and like reupholstering old things and making it cool. So I think that rubbed off on me. Um, and then I think I've just always been into fashion and clothing. And I think it got to a point where I was like, I, I just wanted to have something different than everybody else. You know what I mean? I wanted to just dress differently um and and then you you know when i was kind of getting i guess into the age where i was going out it was like places like h&m were big so it was like everybody was wearing the same things all the time you know um and i just wanted something different you know so there was like a, i remember a thrift store opened up around my house when i, when I used to live with my parents and i would just go there all the time and like repurpose stuff you know and that started the love for it and i think a lot of it also is like there's just stories behind it you know what i mean like some of it might remind me of my childhood and it's like childhood nostalgia a certain shirt you know or it just brings you back to a certain time period you know i think there's a there's a lot of cool things about that and i think um even when you're out with people it's it's like almost like you're wearing art you know what i mean it's like a conversation starter when somebody comments on your shirt and you have a discussion about that like yo i remember watching that movie as a kid if it's like a shirt about a movie or something like that or whatever it is you know um i think it's a, it's an ability to showcase some of your personality without actually having to say it you know right man it's it's one of the the purest ways to express yourself without saying a word it's- right very very interesting man i i've never thought of myself as someone who is extremely fashionable but you know i've always wanted to i'm just waiting until i get the bag first right. <laughs> i mean you know it, it's also like if i even i've gotten recently into like looking at it from a sustainable point of view where it's like the world is a lot better if we start reusing things you know what i mean and like if you keep producing clothing and things like that it's just not good for the environment um so like the ability to reuse things and it's also makes you look cool you know that's like a win-win win-win situation when it comes to that thousand percent man yeah my mom my mom's always like tried tried to instill those the thrift shop values in me mm-hmm. like what's wrong with it that you're paying you know three dollars for this thing or you can yeah. pay 300 for it at the store where's right. where's the sense in that you know yeah. it's, Oh, but mom, it's off white. Like, like. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. I mean, it, it's also the hunt. You go in there, you're like, you don't really know what you're looking for, and you just start finding cool things, cool gems. You know, what I mean, it's just a, uh, you know, I travel around the country, going to different thrift shops and stuff like that. So, like to me, it's always fun to kind of do that and just. There's a whole culture behind it. It's like music. There's a culture. There's like a scene within everything, and you can kind of, you know, meet different people throughout it as well, which is dope. Love that, man. Where can people like find? So, so, some of these clothes and some of like the line or like some of the stuff you might be selling. Um, so I, I haven't been as good at updating it, but I do update it every once in a while, like every few weeks, maybe uh, called Colt classics. Um, it's Colt with a V. So CVLT classics. Uh, that's the Instagram. 
or cultclassics.com with a V. Um, and I, I, uh, I'll sell stuff on there. You know, sometimes I'll like clean out my closet and just, you know, sell a bunch of stuff that I've worn, you know, to kind of clear some space. Or when I go traveling, I'll pick up stuff with the intention of kind of reselling. It's just like another, another hustle, another passion of mine to kind of be able to do. Switching gears again a little bit, um, you yeah. know, as somebody who, like me, I'm very much uh, an extremely lazy person when it comes to music. Mm-hmm. I'm, the, I'm the guy who I'll hear a fire track and that, mm-hmm. that's the track. Like that, I'm going to be yeah. playing that for a minute. You know, they're like, I love this, this kind of, uh, I, I like certain kinds of music and I like certain mm-hmm. kinds of sounds and I'm very open. I like a lot of different types of music. How do you like, as somebody who's so entrenched in, you know, music production, DJ, you know, all these different kinds of things, how do you identify what's good music to you? It's tough. I mean, I think there's categories. So as a DJ, I know there are certain records that will work well in the club. You know what I mean? It's just like an energy wise thing, whether it's a crowd participation type of thing. Um, you know, there's those kinds of records. And then for me, I mean, I listen to every kind of music. So like, it really just depends on the mood I'm in. You know, there are certain things I'll put on. If it's like chill indie type of stuff, like if I'm just trying to work and then have something to put me in a cool zone, you know, um, and then if I'm trying to get hyped, I mean, recently I've listened to a lot of like dance music just because we've been in such, such a solemn place as like a world with this whole thing that it's been a good pick me up, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, some days it's hip hop. It really just depends. I think what it just makes you feel something, you know, whether it makes you feel hype, whether it makes you feel emotional, whether it makes you feel whatever the case may be, I think whatever attachment you can kind of get to it, I think that's how, I, you know, you kind of know something is, is good because it makes you feel a certain type of way. So what would be like your, your top EDM and hip hop artist right now in your rotation? Mm. Um, I mean, I love Lil Baby and the Baby. I would say those are the two, uh, two big ones. And St. John is another one. Mm-hmm. um who i absolutely love like his album is, is fired me one of the most underrated ones um yeah. probably the last year uh and then i mean edm wise man it, it kind of goes back and forth like diplo is one of my favorite artists and producers so like i mess with what he does pretty heavily so i'm always kind of have stuff like that in rotation and it just depends like right now there's just a lot of like random artists in the edm space you know uh, it's not really being dominated by like one giant artist as maybe it was a few years ago um so it's kind of whatever ends up popping up within within that space and and, you know i kind of go with the flow with edm i'm a little less particular it's more just like i'll just like throw on a playlist on spotify or like i'll throw on sirius xm and just kind of let it rock you know yeah that that's kind of like like how i go about it with the spotify because with dance music like i mean i feel like it's it's got to be so um like you gotta actually really be a fan to just seek out one artist and mm-hmm. and listen to that artist only. Right. Like you know right. what I'm saying? It's like it's almost a melting pot, and that's I mean I think rave culture and festival culture has a big big part to play in that. Like you go watch a set of three four different DJs do their thing, mm-hmm. and it's like this energy that they're exuding. It's wild. Right. That's, yeah. That's like, I mean I I think in EDM it's less about artist recognition and more about the vibe of the song and what the song sounds like like the point of entry in edm is a lot lower than it is in any other genre so like it doesn't people don't really care as much about who made the track as much as what it sounds like and you know what it what it feels like in the club or whatever the case may be uh what do you think is 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 going to be like the next big sound to kind of dominate like uh how kind of pop smoke you know popularized drill over here mm-hmm. like what what's something that you know you see is up and coming and is, is a trend that you know people aren't aren't really too up and up on right now um i mean i i think in general coming out of this whole thing of life right now that we're in you know it was covid now it's you know the riots and the looting and, and you know all that stuff people are gonna want upbeat music you know so i think edm is gonna have another boom like it did you know a few years ago just because that's just upbeat, high energy. When people go out, they're just going to want to feel good when they are able to go out again. Um, so I think you're going you're gonna to see that trend start to happen again. And then I think even just the direction that somebody like DaBaby's going in right now with a track like Rockstar, where it's a little bit more melodic. And, and I think hip-hop is going to start leaning towards that because, again, it's going to be more of just making people feel good giving them something they can dance to, sing along to, because we've all gone through like this traumatic experience for the mo- majority of this year. And I think music a lot of times reflects that, you know, so coming out of it, people are just going to want stuff that makes them feel good. And maybe we don't have to overthink so much right now, you know? Uh, Like I completely agree with everything that you just said. When I put that kind of music on, it's for a reason. Even if I don't Mm -hmm. consciously like think about that, like 
you put that stuff on, you throw some like chami or something, and it mm-hmm. just like yeah. it just like like it just gets you moving, gets you like mm-hmm. it's different kind of energy. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I think that's that's something that you know is gonna kind of pick back up as yeah hopefully this stuff clears up man um mm-hmm. and and so for you know this was a, a question that my i asked my friend uh and, and he told me he's like he wanted to know for up and coming artists mm-hmm. kind of what what's the best way to create a fan base and to mm-hmm. think more long term than short term like clout and success like like right. some of the so, some of the artists out there are doing right now um i mean i i always love the approach that russ has had Mm. um he was consistent you know i think it's like a track a week for two years or something like that um, now, and doing it all <laughs> right mixing, <laughs> essing, rapping everything yeah. uh, i'm not saying you have to have that level of like psychoticness i guess of like being that but it is that because i think you know when you when you he did pop he had this entire back catalog for people to check out you know what i mean um so i think it is that kind of thing a consistent catalog you're going to want to have um and as well as like i think the veil has been lifted like people don't want to feel like their artist is above them they want to feel like their artist is is meeting them at the same point you know so when it comes to your social media when it comes to other things like interact with people connect with people outside of the music you know don't just be selling them things like figure out ways to to speak on things that they care about you know um and build a personal relationship with them that's really like the long-term kind of success and and it's not about riding a wave of a particular sound. Like, like you were saying about pop soap, everybody sounds like that now, you know? Um, and, and you have to be ahead of the curve. Like uh, somebody I was interviewing for B was, was saying this and he put it perfectly. Like once something already is popping or like that wave is happening, it's, it's over late. already. Like you're, yeah, your chance to get on it is, is gone, you know? So you have to kind of figure out what the next thing is going Create to be. Create the wave. Right, exactly. So it's like, all right, I see this is popping right now. What do I think? if I can predict it is going to be the next thing that people latch on to, you know, from that. So it's that like, like it, the music industry is so weird to me. Cause it's like, mm. it's so much more than just the product, the mm-hmm. business side of it, you know, is so intertwined with, like mm-hmm. you said, the social media with, you know, the engagement with giving the mm-hmm. fans something more than just, you know, you can be the, the illest lyricist. You could have the yeah. most fire beats, it's this it's this perfect storm that has to happen for you to achieve any success in this yeah quite frankly ultra saturated space it is and i mean i think collaboration is another big thing you know instagram is your best friend you can find producers other rappers singers whatever genre you you deal with collaborate with them connect with them because now you have their following pushing you you know what i mean like coming to your page now and vice versa i think a lot of times we get caught up in like wanting to get immediate numbers wanting to get um you know the biggest name we possibly can in a song and a lot of times man you you just got to go about it just collaborating with people because you don't know who's going to be the next one to pop and now if they pop and you have a good relationship with them they're going to lift you up you know hopefully so it's all about that it's collaboration in every aspect you know i kind of got a, per- a question for you that's like kind of personal to me because i you know i've I've gotten to travel uh, a little bit to europe before and i fell in love with the the uk grime sound and you know i've always wondered why it's not more popular you know here in, in america and canada you know you see the 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 the, the, you know the gap being bridged by you know artists like drake you know collaborating mm-hmm. with skepta and gigs and and that kind of thing why do you think like america never really took to that sound um i mean i messed with it too i, I think it's probably a part of the accent a little bit you know um and i think there's probably this misconception by americans uh, especially you know and you know everyone see a lot of times america sets the tone for the rest of the world um when it comes to music at least historically um i think a lot of people probably don't take them seriously as like street people you know what i mean like even though that because that, i think a lot of that is the, the accent people don't don't think that the uk has like this sort of you know urban environment or, or a grimy environment you know what i mean like a street environment uh so i think they might not take it particularly seriously when it comes to that i like it a lot but yeah i think it's a combination of those things probably yeah you know that's a very good point i do think that like when someone's saying like some some extremely gangster shit but in an absolute proper like accent right sounding like like using words that 
Americans would straight up just not use like serendipitously. Like people, people put you in a box. I think that's, I think that's very interesting. I do think yeah. that that gap is going to close more and more. Uh, that, yeah. But that, but that's honestly biased because I like that, 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 you know, sound a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, you, usually when Drake hops on something, the gap starts to close a little bit, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, mean, I think even, yeah, but I mean, if you look at pop music, UK singers uh, who make pop music, you don't really hear their accent, right? When they're singing, you don't really notice it. You know, it's only when you hear like Adele or a Sam Smith or something like that. Yeah. So I think that is a big difference is that when it comes to the grime stuff, their accent is out there, you know, 100%. So that's maybe part of the reason why it hasn't happened for them. Right, man. And I asked that question, and even as like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, having you're answering it. I'm thinking about it, and it's like, it's almost the same reason why I don't like French rap as much, or mm. or or German rap. And you know, it comes down to the language and the the tone. I find French right. rap quite aggressive, like a little mm-hmm. too aggressive. Like even, mm-hmm. like like you know, it it just doesn't sound like attractive to the ears. I'm like, man, this dude's mad yeah. at something. Like right, <laughs> you right, know right. what I'm saying? Or like yeah. like German. It's just like I don't understand the language at all. So it's yeah. like, but you know, it could it, it, that that could be a big part of it. But I just wanted to kind of tease that out and like ask you because I've always been yeah. curious about it, and I'm I'm sure you guys have had you know, some, some of those artists on the show as well. Mm-hmm. Now you, you brought up something that, you know, I've been, yeah, we're on social media right now. We see it all going on. You know, before we mm-hmm. started the show, we talked about this a little bit, um, you know, everything that's going on in, in the U S right now, it's a difficult time to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for, for anybody listening to this, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're recording it on June 2nd, when mm-hmm. you know only last week um you know there there there, there was a there was a murder that was basically broadcast to the world mm-hmm. by, by by a police officer and that triggered a lot of what we're seeing now and mm-hmm. this is a very complicated situation and for somebody who's not american who's you know very much live in canada uh we face our our own racism in in, in a in a different way um, mm-hmm. You know, police brutality, I'm not going to say it does not exist. It, mm-hmm. it absolutely exists. But, you know, the, the spotlight is not shined on it the way it is with, with our neighbors down south. Yeah. Talk to me about your thoughts about all this, man, because, you know, I, I tuned into one of your Instagram lives the other day. And, you know, you're talking about a story about this guy, you know, crying, actually just talking about, you know, living life in America as a black man. And that mm-hmm. broke my heart, man. That absolutely yeah, bored me, bro. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about like some of the emotions and some of the stuff you're dealing with right now with all this. I mean, you know, I, I think right now what's happening is a perfect storm of a lot of things. You know, um, historically, if you just look at the history of America, you're talking about almost 400 years of slavery. Then when, you know, uh, slavery ended, you're talking about segregation after that, you know. Then when that ended, there was all kinds of things like redlining, which, you know, uh, made it harder for people of color to uh, own homes and it can only own homes in certain areas. Um, and it's just continuous things, you know, that are systematically designed to hold down people of color, you know, and to make life a little bit more difficult for them. Uh, so within that, you know, you have a lot of injustices that have been building up from lack of proper health care in certain areas that happen to have a higher population of people of color. And then as well as racism from, you know, both white supremacists, uh, you know, throughout the country and as well as unfortunately for the powers that be law enforcement or government officials and things like that. Um, So the idea of police brutality is not anything new. I think um, it's been something I've grown up with, my parents have grown up with and all those kinds of things. Uh, Now we're living in an era of social media where everything is being filmed. Everything is being distributed at a, at a rapid pace. We're all able to really see things in real time. And I think that uh, continues to make things boil up even more, you know, and, and not to say that's a bad thing because it's, it's good to know what the hell is going on. Um, so now what we're seeing, you know, I think is a perfect storm of years and years of a group of people feeling like they've been suppressed. They've been looked down upon and treated as less than human. Uh, and then it happening on plain sight on a video of a man being murdered. Um, by a police officer in one of the most egregious ways we've ever seen filmed on camera, broad daylight, during a time when we're facing a, a pandemic, 
where the country has been locked down basically for a couple months. Frustrations have been growing over that. And, you know, you have 40 million Americans out of work, uh, unemployed. So it's just this perfect storm of everything. And it just blew over now in this situation. You know, it's, it's feelings that have been there for a very long time. But now this particular case really brought it to light and really just made people kind of go over the edge. This was the tipping point, I think. I could not have put it any better, man. Like that, that, that is it. And that's, you know, it's, it's so, it's so tough as, you know, almost like a bystander or somebody who knows the difference between right and wrong. You mm-hmm. know, everybody knows, even the racist people, they know that that's wrong, but it's yeah. like you cling so hard to this, idea or this environment that you've come up in and that you've been kind of conditioned mm-hmm. to believe these certain things and you go on twitter right now it's a shit show man yeah you can literally or any social media for that matter anything positive or or negative or anything that's posted about this stuff you're gonna have you know 10 other comments that say oh well all lives matter or Mm. oh well you know you know he that like the common fallacy of now blaming the the the, you know the victim and just like you said it's not just an isolated incident this just happened Mm -hmm. to be recorded it's been going on forever it just Mm. you know and but what what really shocks me the most out of all of it is that even with the recording, even with the footage out there clear as day, you will still have people defending the actions of, of, of law enforcement. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to sit here and pretend like I have any solutions, but you know, you shared something earlier today and I was, uh, I, I was, I actually listened to it really quickly and I'm not sure if it was Nick Cannon or, or someone. Uh, um, yeah, it was a, a page called the love we don't see. He called into Nick Cannon's radio show. Okay. Uh, and and kind of yeah gave his points. I loved that because it was like and I don't want to sound insensitive here man, but I'm going to be honest. I think we're past the point of awareness. Hmm. I think j- just a hashtag or you know just making your your Instagram um you know posting a, a black square like I mean I I'm doing these things as well, right? But I just feel like it's not enough. And even yeah. donating money to these funds, I've done that as well. And it still doesn't feel like actually doing enough. So I, I wrote this down because I thought the, the list was brilliant. And it was like five mm-hmm. things. And, you know, if you don't mind, I'll quickly go through some of them. And I thought it yeah. was just, I thought it was like, you know, this is actionable stuff that can be done. I don't know if it's right or wrong. I don't know if it's going to work or if it's going to solve the problem. But one of them was, you know, defund police 54% um, of tax dollars. Go to the criminalization of the people. We need to invest into social programs to uplift the community. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a no-brainer, you know, Mm -hmm. changing where the resources are going. Reallocate Mm -hmm. assets defunded from police into education. Now, this part right here spoke to me, man, into things like coding and programming, financial literacy, entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. social, emotional learning multicultural psychology and then affordable housing public health family support mental health mm. these are all things that i mean you know no offense like america needs to step up on for their people and yeah. you know it's not just america it's a, it's, a, it's a worldwide issue but you know the fact that so much can be spent on the military and law enforcement mm-hmm. and not these you know, seemingly such simple things. It's like, mm-hmm. it really just makes you question like what's really going on here. Number three yeah. was prosecution of the officers who, who commit acts of the loss of life. Mm-hmm. I think that that is one of the things that sparks, you know, everyone wants to talk about the riots and the looting right now. I, a lot of people mm-hmm. want to focus on that side of things. Mm-hmm. Why don't we focus on actually prosecuting the people who've committed murder and, and right. sit around and watch it? Yeah. And as of now, those other three officers that stood around and watch haven't been arrested yet or charged. So as of this interview. Yeah. And then uh, you know, retraining law enforcement with a focus on multicultural psychology. Mm-hmm. And look, man, this has always been something that that I've said that just makes so much sense. Look, mm-hmm. you could 
you look, look, we could talk about all these, the, the deep racism and, and all these systemic issues and stuff like that. No one's going to be able to solve that overnight. It's just, it's not a reality. We're not going to be able to just, you know, flip a switch and change that. But what mm-hmm. we can do is mandate by law certain types of training that if you do not pass it, you don't get to have a badge and a gun. You just mm-hmm. like, like, it just seems like such common sense. Another thing yeah. I thought of was like, why doesn't everybody have some kind of body camera or like and a backup camera? And, you know, mm-hmm. you want to talk about like, you know, having surveillance. Why not surveil the people who um, are supposed to serve and protect? And uh, and the fifth one, you know, I can't comment on this one because I don't know anything about, you know, district attorneys and stuff like that, but a new DA. And, and you know, it, the people who actually make the legislation, the policy, they got to mm-hmm. they got to start paying attention and making changes to this stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think you have a lot of people that are too close to it. So I think the DA comment was. Um, they had actually the attorney general of Minnesota now take over this case, particularly because the district attorney that was on it originally was just too close to the case. At that point, he knows the police, he knows, you know, the judges, all that kind of stuff. So it's just not giving us a fair, unbiased opinion. You know what I mean? Um, and, and yeah, I mean, what, a lot of what, what was being said in there is we want accountability. We want officers who break the law to be treated the same way that we do. You know, that we're, if we're arrested immediately when we do something, why is an officer can't be arrested immediately? Um, and also it's obvious that there needs to be somebody who polices the police, some sort of system in place that oversees it all. Um, and I think also, like you're saying, it's the lack of proper training and consistent training. You know, um, there's obviously a huge problem when it comes to a lot of these police officers and their ability to de-escalate a situation. Yeah. You know, they, they ran into this, this situation with this man in Minneapolis over, he had a counterfeit bill. You didn't need to run in their guns a blazing, you know, over a call of somebody possibly paying with a counterfeit bill, you know? So it's obvious that there is a lack of skills when it comes to de-escalation as well as just knowing how a certain cultures move and work. Um, and then, yeah, there, there's not enough funding to educate people within those communities to give them the opportunity to climb out of poverty, to put themselves in better positions. You know, um, he mentioned credit and things like that. Ownership is like, absolutely, you know, we uh, don't have the history of those things, you know what I mean? So we, we are unable to pass that information down because we weren't taught it, you know? Um, you know, so people in that community being able to own homes and things like that, that adds to your pride. That mm-hmm. adds to, you know, your, your legacy. And that, that makes you choose a different life a lot of times. You know, a lot of these kids that choose life, a life of crime or, or, you know, whether it's drugs or robbing, whatever the case may be, you know, it's because they feel like they have no other option. Yeah. You know, um, go, go they, you they feel like if I keep... Yeah, either I can be a rapper or a basketball player, and if I can't be either one of those, then I uh, just have to, you know, resort to whatever you know street thing I can do. Thousand percent. That's the man. biggest problem. Yeah. That's it, man, and it, it, you know, that's a problem here as well. And like, you know, it's, it's we, it, it really does come down to more than just education, wanting to educate mm-hmm. and giving mm-hmm. people the resources to be able to learn and make something out of their life, you know, Absolutely. because we're not all dealt the same hand and that's ridiculous mm-hmm. to, to assume so. So, yeah. you know, to give, give people the, at least a fair chance, man, at least mm-hmm. get, getting out of here. And there, you know, there are, there will always be criminals, man, but mm-hmm you you watch these videos of how you know police interact with with different races and mm-hmm. you talk about de-escalation man i mean it's like it's like it's not even a that's not even on on their mind and i also want to say one thing about like being a police officer right now must be one of the hardest things for 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 your mental health and just Absolutely. for 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 Imagine, imagine, I would not be able to do that right now. I would, I would not be able to put on that uniform and go to work knowing that, you know, my life is at danger right now because Mm -hmm. people are going to react to this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and people have, and so, you know, you see about this and it's like, I, I don't want to keep droning on about it, but it just like, it's so, it's so dark that like both sides, like, it's such a conflicting it's there's no right answer like there's so much yeah. anxiety and agitation every time you pull somebody over you're not you're you are worried for your life you don't know this person but then right. once you do know that this person's no longer a threat 
it is your imperative to protect this individual. This is now, this is now like you're serving this person. You're not. Right. Anyways, uh, it, it's just, it's, it's all, it's all bad, man. And I, I really do hope that, you know, I don't know. I don't have any answers. I really do hope that some of those things we listed off among many other great ideas are actually implemented. I just think right mm -hmm. now there's a big disorganization problem. There's a lot yep. of voices and it's very hard to find a signal through the noise. I mean, mm -hmm. dude, in the last like two hours before this podcast, I'm looking at all this, like I'm going through Twitter or Instagram and I'm seeing like, should I post this black box or not? Yeah, I don't even, yeah. I don't know. Some people are saying don't post it. It's like, this is not the right thing to be doing right now. We need to get information out. Other people are mm -hmm. like, we got to drown out all the bad information. Some people mm -hmm. are like, donate to this. Some people are donate to that. It's like, bro, like there's no like central authority to know how to deal with something like this. It's just wild west. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the lack of organization is, is an issue, you know, that's, that's the biggest problem. And also, I, I, the reason I, I reposted that thing with them, the actual list, because it was an actual list of actionable steps that we can take, you know what I mean? Um, that lawmakers can take, that people in power can take. And that's what we need more of, you know. Um, I, I go back and forth with people that are violently rioting and looting and this and that, and they talk about this is the only way we get people to listen. Well, my, my argument is, okay, even if that is true, I don't agree with it, but even if, let's say you're right, once you have, we have their attention now, we have the attention of the world, what do we want now? Now it's the time to say, this is what we want and this is when we expect it and you need to implement this, you know? And that's sort of where I think it's falling short, unfortunately. And, you know, I'm hoping that there are some things happening behind the scenes that we don't know about. But I think, you know, if attention is what you wanted when it comes to the rioting and the looting, we have it now. So now we need to actually say, this is what we need to happen. We need to have a list of demands to actually try and, you know, repair this situation because, just continuing to burn down our cities, we're going to be left with, with no city to go back to, you know, and that's it's terrible to think of. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it, it's really just, it's really just tough. I, I don't know how this is going to play out. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. praying for you guys. I hope, I hope, you know, you know, it, it, it gets solved. And, and if, you know, here, man. that's, that's such a, I mean, it sounds so lazy to say, but it's like, I don't have, I don't know, man. No one knows. Yeah. What, well, and I, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. It's like, I don't know, man. And, and, and a lot of people are being pressured into, you know, taking a stance online and, and putting mm -hmm. things online and, you know, not even really fully sure like what it really means. And, you know, to blindly support rioting and looting blindly, like without even mm -hmm. looking at who is doing it and for what purpose, like, that's not right either, man. Like these yeah. are, look at who you're damaging. These, a lot of these small businesses that are, you know, already in a really, really tough spot about to close their doors because of COVID. Now you hit them with this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't have the answers, but you know, we've been talking about this for a little while, man. I've had you on for over an hour now. Uh, you know, I, I've been loving this chat. It's, it's really nice to have an Absolutely. open dialogue with, with somebody about all this stuff. And, you know, I'll definitely have you back on one day, man. And we'll, we'll definitely yeah, for sure. continue this kind of chat and hopefully it can be a little bit more optimistic and a little bit more positive and hopeful. Yeah. Uh, but you yeah. know, that, that's just where we're at. That's just where we're at today, man. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I, um, Absolutely. Before, before I let you go, I usually mm -hmm. do a lightning round of uh, you know, mm -hmm. three or four questions. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I'll just do that and then we'll wrap it up, man. Cool. So if you could interview one person dead or alive, who would it be? Mm, if I could interview one person dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, man. Uh, my dream interview... I guess Will Smith, man. I'm going to just say that one. That's an easy go-to, you know, if I can get a lot of that interview. Nice, man. That would level, that would level you up. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> imagine just having a sit down with Will Smith. Like for me, oh, like, man, a, yeah. yeah, for me, that'd be like, you know, like Jay-Z or Drake or someone like, yeah. you know, one of these moguls just sit down and just pick their brain, man. Um, uh, okay. So number two is like, what advice would you give to a 21 year old, uh, uh, dramos uh, you have time you know um don't don't feel like you, the pressure to make something happen right now you know you have time to experiment um and and take the risks don't listen to anybody that's telling you to you know now is the time to grow up or slow down like 
now now is the time to take every internship it's the time to risk you know moving somewhere trying something new being broke for a while like all that stuff is okay because that leads to you figuring it out you know taste all the things and, and move mm-hmm. move on your on your own path man i love it absolutely uh question three and this one i kind of just threw in there because uh, i believe you're a bucks fan is that correct mm-hmm. yes <laughs> yep. if they got a if they have a season if they have an nfl season which i, I don't mm-hmm. see them not doing but you never know um would you go down and see tom brady ball with the bucks Oh hell yeah, yeah! yeah definitely. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna gonna get a flight out there for sure to to catch that for sure, 100. Awesome man! Uh, <laughs> you know, as you can tell, I'm a bit of a Patriots fan, so I'm still yeah, no, I'm still recovering, bro. <laughs> you know, man, I don't know what you guys are gonna do, man. Let's, let's see what happens. We'll see what happens, brother. Uh, <laughs> last and final question: How do you want to be remembered? Man, how do I want to be remembered? Um, I, I want to be remembered as, as somebody who, you know, put on for, for a lot of people, you know, who was the voice for people who felt like they didn't have one um, and, and who challenged his community to be better, to do better, you know? Uh, and, and I hope that that, you know, is kind of my, my legacy when it comes to everything, you know, that, that I push my people to be better. I push everybody to, to help one another out and, and, and realize, you know, that, you're not in competition with one another. You can lend a helping hand to people. Um, you can lift other people up and, and help them on the road to success. So that's kind of what I would hope that I just keep leaving and passing on that message to other people. Well, I'm confident you'll you'll definitely leave that legacy, bro, especially with the, the you, different things you're doing, man. I look up to you, bro. I really appreciate you, you coming on. Right before we get off, shout out all your social media and where, wherever mm-hmm. people can find you and your stuff. Yeah, uh, at DJ Dramos uh, across the board on, on social media. Um, and yeah, I mean, I do my First Generation Talks podcast. You can find that wherever you find podcasts. Uh, and yeah, whatever. I have a weekly radio show if you're more into like the Latin dance space uh, called Con Fuego that airs on Dash Radio every Wednesday. So, but all, you know, just head to DJ Dramos. You'll find all the random stuff I'm working on. Love it. Appreciate you, brother. Have a good That's one it. and stay safe out here. And for those Thank listening, you, just remember it's not that deep. Thanks, bro. (laughs) Appreciate you, brother.